This week on the Game Time Guru, I'm joined by CC Hockley. Yes, he is back, and he is giving you the information that you need to expand your knowledge on the sport of hockey. He's going to talk about the Idaho Steelheads, NHL free agency, the future of the NHL players in the Olympics, as well as some other topics in regards to hockey. We're even diving into the world of soccer today, okay? And if you want a good laugh, stay tuned near the end when I'm trying to talk about the USA soccer team and I mispronounce Josie Altador's name by saying Jose and Jose. I guess I didn't know what I was talking about, but you live, you learn. Great discussion coming up for you today on the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Guru! What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Game Time Guru. I'm Shane Larson, and today I'm joined by CC Hockley, uh, again, coming at you with our hockey expert, but we've got a lot of good stuff to talk about today, but I first want to say, what's up, CC, and uh, ask you how it's been since the last time we spoke. Hey, Shane, how you doing? Not too bad. Man, there's a lot that's going on in the sports world. The summertime, it just, oh, the NBA free agent talk, you know, the NHL free agent talk, and of course, you got NFL football coming up, and the camp starting and everything. It's an exciting time just for, for sports and in the sports world, and, and I'm excited to be here again, and I thank you for the opportunity to be here again. Thanks, oh, Shane. For sure, man, and I'm excited to have you, but uh, right now, let's put the skates on, get into our local Idaho Steelheads talk with some quick hits. Quick hits. So, first and foremost, the division realignment in the ECHL. Let's start, start talking about that. So the division rival of the Idaho Steelheads, the Alaska Aces, folded this offseason. And the KC Mavericks, the, the Kansas City Mavericks, were in the Mountain Division last year. They are moving back to the Central Division, and there are going to be some new Mountain Division teams um, coming in this coming year. The Wichita Thunder and the Tulsa Oilers will join the Idaho Steelheads in the Mountain Division, along with the Colorado Eagles, the Utah Grizzlies, the Allen Americans, and the Rapid City Rush. The next hit we have is our head coach, Neil Graham, has been offered a contract extension through the 2018-2019 season. He was hired as a head coach prior to the 2015-2016 season, and he is the second youngest coach in the ECHL at age 32. So he's been with the organization for six seasons. He was a player assistant for one of those years and a regular assistant for two of those years. He led the Steelheads to two playoff berths and 43 wins in 72 games last year. His head coaching record in two seasons is 81 wins, 46 losses, and 17 overtime losses. Steelheads captain Jefferson Dahl returns for a fourth season with the Idaho Steelheads, signing a one-year deal for the 2017-2018 season. The 27-year-old forward has played 180 games for the Idaho Steelheads the past three seasons, scoring 22 goals two of those seasons and having 66 points in 70 games last season. Those have been your Idaho Steelheads quick hits. In regards to those quick hits, just wanted to mention one thing. CC talked about uh, Coach Graham being age 32. I'm, I'm creeping up on that number here soon, and uh, it makes me kind of jealous that uh, he's 32, gets the extension. He's already been coaching for quite a while. He's been with the organization for six seasons. What am I doing with my life? What do you think? What do you think, man? 
Well, he would still be playing hockey if it was up to him. Oh, he, really? Okay. He actually got sidelined with injuries. Ah, so when one of he, those situations. Yeah, so he got sidelined with injuries um, early on his, in his career, and that's why he became a player assistant. And so that's why he was an assistant coach. When the former coach, Brad Ralph, actually took a job in the OHL, I want to say, the okay. Ontario Hockey League, then it was given the opportunity to, to, to coach, coach Graham to, to take over. Because okay. he was already part of the program, and he was already—he actually was the youngest coach in the ECHL when he was hired at age thirty. Uh, so okay. I, I'm with you there. I mean, I'm 30 <laughs> years old too, and I'm just like, man, you know, these guys head coaching of a hockey, you know, head coach of a hockey team, and but you know, it was because he already kind of had an in, and he yeah. no longer was available as a player. So okay, so it it's his way of like staying in the game, though. Absolutely, okay. yeah. And I think that yeah, more power to him. The fact that he can't play anymore is is a bummer. However, you know, being able to coach is a wonderful wonderful second chance opportunity for coach Graham. Oh, heck yeah. And he's been successful. So yeah, I mean, judging by his record, it's pretty successful, especially for somebody who's that young. That's awesome though. Absolutely. Now, uh, jumping into the next topic though, uh, CC, you want to go over some NHL free agency talk for us? Yeah, there was one, there was one actually kind of free agent signing that did not happen that I thought was kind of, kind of interesting. So defenseman Andre Markov for the Montreal Canadiens is heading to the continental hockey league in Russia. So he did not sign back with the Montreal Canadiens this year. He's 37 years old. He's played 16 seasons in the NHL only with Montreal. And he signed a two-year contract with the Kazan Akbars. And I thought that was rather interesting because a lot of Russian players, you know, back in the late 80s, early 90s when the USSR was failing, a lot of Russian players wanted to leave the Soviet Union to join the NHL. Now in the twilight of their careers, a lot of Russian players and a couple Czech players as well, I'll mention them in here in a second, but they want to go back to Russia. They want to go to the KHL so that they can finish their career there and get big money because the Russian leagues have a lot of money to spare and you have these big names from the NHL, so they're going to drop some coin to be able to sign them. So a few examples are Ilya Kovalchuk. Ah, Ilya Kovalchuk. Man, say that name. Yeah, I won't try it. (laughs) So he was a former number one pick in 2001 for the Atlanta Thrashers. He's played the last four and a half seasons in the KHL. He's still kind of in his prime. You know, he's 34 years old. Right. So he just went over there to, you know, to avoid a contract issue that he had with the New Jersey Devils. And he's kind of been kicking around the idea of coming back to the NHL. But, you know, being a Russian guy, he went over back to his homeland and, and got paid big bucks to play for the KHL. So... Another good example is uh, Pavel Datsuk. You know, he was with the Detroit Red Wings, and he's in the twilight of his career, so he kind of falls under the, you know, the Markov, you know. He kind of falls under that category okay. in the sense that he's in the twilight of his career. He's going to get paid big bucks to go back home and play for the KHL. And, some, you know, some other examples are Alexei Yashin. He played five seasons in the KHL after his NHL career. Sergei Zuboff played one season at the end of his career. Sergei Fedorov, three seasons at the end of his career. And the Czechoslovakian or Czech Republic folks that I was talking about were Yuri Hidler. He played in the KHL in 2009, 2010, and the first half of the lockout shortened season of 2012 to 2013. And somebody that you might be familiar with, actually, Shane, Yamir Yager. Oh, yes. I know. I know Yager. You know Yager. (laughs) He's been around forever. So he played in the KHL and some Czech leagues in 2004, 2005 when the whole NHL season was locked out. And he also played in the KHL from 2008 to 2011 and in the Czech League in the lockout-shortened season of 2012 to 2013. And uh, it's funny because Yamir Yager, in that lockout-shortened season, he was actually going to come to Boise with the Dallas Stars to play a preseason game against the Minnesota Wild 
at CenturyLink Arena. However, because the lockout occurred, the preseason games got canceled. And so we had, you know, I think they had like 4,200 season or seats sold for that game. Right. And they had like 800 left, and they were probably going to sell out the CenturyLink Arena. It's an NHL game. Essentially, yeah. a preseason game. I remember that actually. Yeah. Yes, you do. Did yes. you ever? Did you no, have tickets? for I that? I did not have tickets. I remember that whole thing going down though, and I was like, "Oh man, that's a bummer. That's yeah. a bummer for the hockey fans, oh, man." Yeah, and it was. You know, I had had tickets for me and a few friends, and I bought them like a bought like a four pack, and and thankfully they gave out refunds. Okay, you know, did they, they? All right, they did, and they credited my account back, and I had to disperse it amongst my friends and everything. But to be able to see a legend like Yamir Yager play in person, yeah, you know, that was that would have been really cool, but. Alas, it was not to be. So, <laughs> Bummer, man. So to kind of segue into what you were talking about on your last podcast, you know, right. players going into international leagues and things like that, I know that the NBA kind of does the same thing with, like, China, you know, with people mm-hmm. people in the twilight in their careers and, you know, they're ending kind of their, their prime and their run in the NBA, and they can go still make money in Europe and in China. I mean – do you got any specific examples of how that could be kind of tied into the NHL, KHL sort of thing I brought up? Yeah, absolutely, man. So in regards to some of the players that go over to China, like it, the money's there. And it's it, like if you look at Stefan Marbury, uh, he was over in China at the twilight of his career, kind of went over there, had a little falling out with the NBA, goes over there, makes millions. He becomes like this, this star player. Now, now you hear a guy named Jimmer Fredette who's still in his prime, I believe. Jimmer uh-huh. Fredette, younger guy. He just signed a $1.8 million deal over in China. And the crazy thing about that is, is like they're, they're choosing to go over there rather than try to make their way through the NBA because, I mean, it, for one, it's tax-free money. They get all their expenses paid for. They get, you know, housing, their tr- everything. Cars, everything's paid for. And then they actually get a, a tax credit from the government here because – the teams over there pay their taxes. So it's a win, 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 win situation wow. for them and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, they're choosing to go over there because, like you said, kind of with the KHL, there's a lot of money out there to, oh, like, yeah. just, you know, give out there to mm-hmm. the, these bigger-name players. And plus, those, you know, fan bases over there like to see the bigger names over there. So it brings a lot of publicity and exposure to the sport in those countries. Oh, yes, most definitely. I mean, you know, with with guys going back to the KHL, I mean, you still got American and Canadian young guys that that if they can't make it in the in the NHL or AHL or even the ECHL, you know, to go to Russia and to go to Czech, you know, leagues and even even Swedish leagues and you know, throughout Europe, you know, they can they can go make better money over there. Of course, you got to factor in you know the culture shock and things like right. that. Right. But you know, when you're, gosh, when you're a 20, 22 year old kid you know, going over there or even, you know, 18 or 19, you know, it can be a lot more of a shock than when you're 35, 37, 39, yeah. you know, like Steph, Steph Marbury was. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but if the money's there, then the, the players are going to, are they're going to cl- kind of flock over there. Oh, absolutely. So. And I have a question for you in regards to the KHL. Sure. Yeah. Now I know that last week when I was speaking to Victor regarding, you know, the, the international game compared to the G league, a lot of the reasons that people like, I mean, the NBA teams won't look over there a lot for their players um, as much anymore because of the fact that the international game is so much different than the NBA because court size is shorter, three-point line is shorter, the basketball is actually smaller. The right. It's just a little bit different, minor differences. But is the KHL, like the – explain the differences or if there is any from the KHL to the NHL. Are there any differences in international? Yeah, there is. Yeah, so it's, it's actually the opposite for the KHL and for international leagues as well. International play, the rink is, is bigger. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, so the rink size is actually bigger than than a normal NHL regulation size rink. So so that is kind of a an opposite thing that they share oh, okay, in common okay. is that the international game is is much it's much more open. It's much more spread out. So there's a lot more there's a lot more room for strategy to you know develop in regards to just a bigger game and just more room to maneuver and more you know more plays that you can draw up and more space to move around. So. So I think that would be one of the major differences okay. in that. And I'm sure there's little nuances and rules here and there that I'm not familiar with. But, you know, like anything, the Americans have kind of their own kind of their own way of going about things. Right. At least the North Americans because NHL ca- Canadian base as well. Right. So, yeah. I got you. Okay. Right on. Now, um, let's let's talk about Mike Fisher. Who's, who's Mike Fisher and what can we learn right now about uh, him? What's going on with the news there? So Mike Fisher was the captain of the, the Nashville Predators, so the Western Conference champions, and they played the Pittsburgh Penguins um, to six games unsuccessfully in the right. Stanley Cup final this year. Now, he's, he's 37 years old. He, he, <laughs> sorry. He's 37 years old, and he decided to call it quits. He's, okay. he's decided to retire. Now, the Predators have already lost another – captain of theirs an alternate captain and james neal to the expansion draft yes you talked about yes, that yes i did so he's on the vegas knights now now that mike fisher has retired you know he he ultimately didn't put nashville back into a corner in regards to a contract you know because right. when you have older players that have been with a team forever sometimes it can be a bit of a debacle when you're re-signing and it's like how much do you sign them for you know i think opposite examples of that are like Dirk Nowitzki and Tim Duncan they did it the right way and I think Mike Fisher is doing it the right way as well so he decided to call it quits to help the Preds and and to avoid any contract issues and you know things like that so he played he played 17 seasons between Nashville and Ottawa he helped lead the Predators to the Stanley Cup final like I told you he had 276 goals 309 assists and he played 1,088 games Another thing about Mike Fisher is that he's married to someone by the name of Carrie Underwood. You may Ooh, have heard of her. All right, all yeah, right. Yeah, so he get, he kind of gets the he kind of gets the playful nickname as Mr. Carrie Underwood and Trophy Husband. You Heck know? yeah, I'd take it. <laughs> I would too. I mean, Carrie Underwood, she's she's a cute little Christian girl, you know. Yeah. So I mean, I'd take Mr. Carrie Underwood. <laughs> yeah. Take the title and run with it, man. Take the title and run with it. So Mike Fisher called it a career this off season as well, well and uh, yeah. Seems like it was a good career for him, though. Good for him. Good yeah, for him. Yeah, absolutely. And and to make the Stanley Cup final in the last year of his career, I think he's probably like, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. That was good. He's accomplished enough now. That was just, I mean, it would have been better if he won it, but you know what? You made it there. A lot of people can't even say that. So Stockton and Malone? Yeah. Oh, us, don't us, it. Come on. Let's, as Jazz fans, we can't bring that up because okay. it's devastating. All right. All right. It's devastating. All right. But they were <laughs> the greatest duo to ever play, in my opinion. That never won a championship, I should say. You are correct. <laughs> All right, so here's here's something for the listeners. Okay, so CC is such a good guy that uh, he was he was wanting to come onto the show today and make some quote unquote corrections from his last time on the show, which was episode 15. If y'all want to go back and listen to that, it's really informative as well. Um, but he wanted to make some corrections, so I'm going to give him that opportunity. If it was me, I wouldn't even have known. So he's a good guy. He wants to make that that correction for himself. Uh, and, and save face, I guess. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> go ahead and make your episode 15 corrections, my man. All right. Thanks, Shane. So I had said in episode 15 that the Washington Capitals player Jay Beagle was with the Steelheads for a number of seasons. It turns out he only played eight games with the Idaho Steelheads. So I made him sound a lot more tenured with our local club than he actually was. So that's the first one. The second one is the Beanpot Tournament. I mentioned four teams. Three of them were correct, but one of them was not. 
And that last one was Union College. The Union College Dutchmen are actually based out of New York. And they won the 2014 NCAA hockey tournament. And so that's why they were fresh in my head is because they were an underdog and, you know, they were just one that wasn't, you know, that wasn't mentioned very often. The fourth team of the bean pot is Harvard. And I, yeah, I just had a brain <laughs> for it. And I'm like, how could you not include Harvard and Boston, you know, but you've got Boston College, you know, Boston University, Northeastern and Harvard. So that's those are the bean pot teams. The third thing I'm correcting is the Minnesota North Starts. So I just had a little case of dyslexia and said that they were created in 1976 when they were actually an expansion team in 1967. Now, the last one, speaking of James Neal, bringing him up again, I'd said James Neal had nine goals in the Stanley Cup final when actually it was nine goals in the 2017 playoffs altogether. So that may seem like a little bit of a minor thing, but, you know, I'm a stickler for details and I'd rather apologize and say, okay, my facts weren't right. You're calling me the hockey expert here and I'm I'm boggling my facts up and everything. So I got to come back, got to correct Got to ask for a little repentance here. Dude, you know? I, like, yeah, I like it, man. I respect that a lot. Uh, if you got people out there fact-checking, you might as well just be the first one to cut it off right there. So Absolutely. When I listen back and I'm like, all right, well, these are the these are the facts I got wrong. So there you have it. Good man. Good man. Now, as you guys know, CC not only joins me on the podcast from time to time, he also is a contributing writer for thegametimeguru.com. Uh, and one of his latest articles was regarding our – New downtown stadium in Boise, Idaho. That is, you wanted to first just discuss the article that you wrote, and then I'm going to ask a few questions. At least I have some I, I still want to get to, but explain to the listeners, if they haven't read it already, why they should read it and what it's about. Okay. So the basic summary is that the Boise Hawks um, went under new ownership. The, the local baseball team here, the single A short season baseball team that Boise has. The, the ownership group that owns the Boise Hawks wants a new stadium, and they want to put it in downtown Boise. Now, they don't want to just do it for the Boise Hawks. They want to do it for a minor league soccer team as well. Mm-hmm. So the United Soccer League is the league right below the major league, major league soccer, MLS, and they, they want to lure a team and lure a franchise, not to relocate, but a, an expansion franchise. They right. want to build a stadium that's not only major, minor league baseball, um, ready, but also USL United Soccer League team ready. And there's there's a couple examples of of teams that share a facility. Reno, Reno, Nevada has has okay. one of those stadiums. So yeah, it's just a matter of you know clearing the land and getting the getting the space ready for a stadium to be built in either 2019 or 2020. Nice, yeah. And that article is actually really really informative, as is as are all of his articles. Uh, CC is a really good, uh, a great writer for that matter. Um, he's, he's great at writing. He's one of the, the better writers I've actually worked with. Uh, I used to write for a website uh, where I had a team of writers for the Dallas Cowboys. And I can tell you right now that CC uh, puts out better work than every single one of them. So Ooh, wow. yeah, it's, it's actually, it's really good. So if you haven't, if you haven't read any of his stuff, go to uh, www.thegametimeguru.com and check out his articles. They are phenomenal. Now, CC, you mentioned in there an interesting point. So for any Idahoans that might be listening to this, it was an interesting point regarding the Californians. You know, you always hear the Idahoans saying, oh, we got all these people from California moving and they need to knock it off. We need to close off Idaho so no more Californians can come in. Well, it's funny because it's actually uh, interesting in regards to how that impacts you know, the, the fan base for baseball. Can you explain a little bit about that? Like what you meant when you were talking about Californians coming to Idaho 
and how that impacts the fan base for baseball. Or sorry, the fan base for baseball. I think I said it right. Go yeah, ahead. I think you did too. <laughs> yeah. So something I noticed about California is that they have five major league baseball five. teams. Five. Yeah. So they they love I mean, they've got so many minor league teams there as well. I think they've got like twenty plus minor league teams. But when you've got a state population and area wise as big as California, you're gonna have a lot of professional teams, whether it's baseball, football, basketball or even soccer, you know, right. um, the LA Galaxy are going to get a second, LA is going to get a second team, soccer team as well. So it's like Californians, I, I saw on the news earlier this year that 15,000 Californians came to Idaho last year, 2016, 15,000 Californians. Now, Ugh. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Hey, hey now, hey. No, I mean, and a lot of the Californians I've run into, you know, they're they're wearing their San Francisco Giants caps. They're right. wearing their, their Anaheim, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, to use yeah. their full name <laughs> these days. They're wearing their they're wearing their ball caps and stuff, and they're representing here in Idaho, and I see that, and I talk with them a little bit here and there, and I ask them, oh, are you from California? And, you know, just kind of make it a talking point. I'm in customer service, so that's what I do for a living. I talk to people. So... The fact that you have so many Californians coming in, you know, to build a new ballpark in downtown Boise and to make it more accommodating for everybody and to make it bigger and to make make it so that the sun isn't beating down on the third baselines in the middle of the summer, you know, like we have to we have to deal with at current Boise Memorial Stadium. Right. Yeah. Right. Hawk, Hawks Memorial Stadium. You know, having so many Californians come in. There's so many sports teams there, not just baseball, but we're talking, you know, hockey, we're talking basketball, we're talking, you know, football. Right. You know, you've got these you've got these people that are coming in that already have sports ingrained in them and they're willing to embrace the local culture now. You know, they're willing to embrace the Steelheads, they're willing to embrace the Hawks, and I think a soccer team would flourish here. I do. And so they're willing to probably embrace that within the next few years when that stadium gets built. The more and more people that are coming in from California, from Oregon, from Washington, you've got the built-in rivalry of the Portland Timbers and the Seattle Sounders. Right. You know, so to have Boise maybe start a rivalry with Reno, Nevada, I mean, it's just a, a quick, I say quick, quote-unquote, but I think it's like six hours between here and Reno. Yeah. But to have that kind of, you know, to that kind of close, that close proximity rivalry that could be established in the USL – I think it'd be great. I think it'd just be a microcosm of what the Sounders and Timbers bring to, you know, the Cascade Cup, if you will. Yeah. Okay. So in, in, in the topic of soccer, right, we're talking about the USL. Uh, we're talking about soccer. Um, I wanted to make my point here in regards to soccer in Boise. I think it, it has a chance, and I think it should be a really great opportunity. We have this, you know, we've got so many, not just Californians. I mean, we make jokes about it. We got we got people coming from everywhere, like you just mentioned. It's influencing, sorry, influencing the culture here, um, and it's helping us expand our minds. Uh, for so long, people have this mindset of like, you know, soccer is is garbage. They don't they don't want it here. They don't want it here. But we actually have a pretty big fan base for soccer. It's surprisingly big, and I think it would flourish. I think with the influence of all these people coming from out of town, as well as the local fans that are already here, I think soccer could flourish here. Um, and so, I mean, I, I'm excited to see what happens if we can potentially get a team here. I think you're going to be selling that out all the time. But let's talk a little bit about soccer. Uh, what's the future of USA soccer? So USA Soccer, I mean, they've got this they've got this young kid on their team and I believe he's oh, I think he's I think he's 18 years old now. I mean, a lot of the stuff I've been seeing he was 17. Um, but I think he's at least 18 or 19 years old now. His name is oh, I want to pronounce this right. Christian Pul- Pulis- 
Pulisic. Pulisic. Christian Pulisic. There we go. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> so he's from he's from Hershey, Pennsylvania. He's an all-American kid. He went over to play pro soccer. Well, he got signed to a kind of a de- developmental league in Germany. Okay. And so he he started over there I think when he was 15 years old and he got brought up through through that club system that has been known to to nurture and to develop young players like Christian, like Mr. Pulisic. Pulisic. <laughs> I need to use P. His, we'll just call him Christian P. <laughs> Christian Pulisic. There we go. So he currently plays for, for Dortmund in Germany. And so in the German Bundesliga. And like I said, they're they are team they are a team that is known for, for developing young talent. And and to see, you know, Christian Pulisic play on the US national team, I mean the kid is just he is just money. Like he has nine goals in international play since he started playing for the national squad in March 2016. And he is he is the future of USA soccer. Now, a lot of people are like, yeah, he can only score close to the goal and he, you know, he can't hit the long shots, but I've seen I've seen his clips, you know, when him him playing in the in the Bundesliga. He can he can score from from a distance as well. I mean, a lot of his international goals have been at close range, but you know, the kid's got a lot of talent and it really gives me a lot of hope for USA soccer. I'm not a big soccer fan, but you know, as abysmal as we, as we have been the past few years, it's like, yeah, this is this is our hope. This is our <laughs> what so we attach it to. I'm worried though. I mean, I, I I'm really excited for the potential of this kid coming up, you know. But I'm also worried that it might turn out to be, you know, Altador version two. Like Jose Altador, like he's Jose. I'm speaking Portuguese. Jose Altador. Okay. So, anyways, <laughs> um, he's. He's still good. He came in, though, and we had this, like, high hopes for him, high hopes for him. And, I mean, he battled some injuries, especially in the last World Cup, pulled his hamstring. I just hope that, like, I mean, I think Altidore still has something, right? Um, he's he's a stud, but I, I just hope it's not one of those where it's like we're waiting on him, waiting on him, waiting on him. Before you know it, like, eight years pass, haven't done anything in the World Cup, all of a sudden dude's out of the league. So I'm just hoping that he I, – I, for one, I still hope Altidore has something left to give. And for two, I hope this kid – you know, develops a little bit quicker and we don't see a, an unfortunate injury. Yes. Yeah. That, I mean, that can derail anybody's young career and, and, and that's totally understandable. But let me ask you this. Did Altador, did he, when he was younger, did he go to a foreign league? I don't know. And I don't know. I don't think he did. I never heard about it. So I couldn't tell you. <laughs> no, it's all good. So, so that's, I think that's a key difference. Okay. I think, I think when you cut your teeth, when you're a young player and you go over to the soccer rich environment, whether you're playing in the Bundesliga, whether you're playing in the English premier league or whether you're playing in Spanish La Liga, or you're even playing in like the, the Greek league or the Italian league, you know, if you're playing in one of those major leagues in Europe, I mean, they live and breathe soccer. Yeah. You know, soccer to them is like what football is us to us Americans. It's yes. like what hockey is to the Canadians. I mean, pretty much everywhere else in the, in the world, soccer is the sport. I mean, you've got little pack, little pockets here and there that are that are big cricket enthusiasts and things like that. You're talking right. India, Pakistan, a lot of former British Commonwealths, but but soccer is king in the world. I mean, soccer. I mean, you've got you look at the ESPN 100 richest athletes and you've got Cristiano Cristiano Ronaldo you've got yes, Ronaldo go. I like it <laughs> you've got Ronaldo on there you've got Lionel Messi on there you know it's like these guys are making big big money and it and it's not just because they're you know playing in these big leagues I mean soccer is a worldwide thing even in America you've got a whole lot of fans that are contributing to to merchandise and things right. like that so in regards to Pulisic's you know 
journey to Germany when he's 15 years old and his dad takes a job with one of the youth leagues there and, you know, chaperones him there. I mean, it's just like he has developed so much. You know, I watched a, yeah. I watched a video on it today. I mean, he's just developed so much even then in that short span of time. And he's got to continually do that, you know, right. like all the good players do. They continually get better and, you know, but just the fact that he's so young. I mean, and he's cut his teeth in a major league like Bundesliga. You know, it's like so that's know. that's the that's the deciding factor right now. Like if we're talking about like the the two I just compared, right? We got a little. It's a, it's not comparing apples to apples. It's apples to oranges because he's had a lot more development coming up. Sure, a lot more reason to be excited. That, yeah, it's sense. not like it's not like. Do you remember Eddie Adu? I do. Yeah. Wasn't he, he like would, 14 or something? He was 14 years yeah. old. And he got signed to the MLS. <laughs> I do remember. Back in the day. To oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, that was huge news. It's like, Eddie Adu is the new hope. And it's like, no, no, because he didn't cut his teeth in a major European league. See, Seriously. I like that. Nice it's, point yeah, you made just, right there. It's, Eddie Adu was in the MLS at 14. And it's like, yeah, you throw him in there. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay. You know, get ready to fly. Yeah, and it's and he's like, no, <laughs> you know, I can't I even imagine that. I can't even imagine that. So, all right, so we've got high hopes for the the U.S. men's soccer team going forward. Didn't we just win the gold cup? We did. Yeah. So in the Concacaf tournament, which is basically North America and Central America, right? You know, we we defeated Jamaica in the final, which is funny because Pulisic didn't even play in the final. Okay. Um, U.S. men's soccer coach Bruce Arenas decided not to play Pulisic. So, and this roster is going to be completely different than what we have in the World Cup anyway. Because okay. you're going to have guys that develop. You're going to get have guys that are on hot streaks. You know, it's just like any any Olympic year. You're going to want the hot hand. Right. You know, you're going to want the guys that have been performing. It's a little different when you've got like basketball players. You know, sometimes you got the tenured players like Kobe Bryant. Right. That are like, I want one more Olympic. You know, and you know, but. Men's soccer is a little different because you assemble the best team. You know, you yes. don't you have the big names, you know. You've you've got the you've got the guys like well, up and coming like Pulisic, but you've also got Tim Howard, the goaltender. You know, he's in the twilight of his career as well. Right. So he's he's probably gonna be on the squad, but normally you just you get the best players and you assemble the best team and yeah, you just kinda go from there. Um Jurgen Klingsman, the the previous yeah, the US men's player. soccer coach, he got a lot of guff during the 2014 World Cup because he did not put Landon Donovan. I remember Donovan. Yeah. Yeah, that he, he didn't he didn't go. I right. Remember. Right. And so and that was kind of a point of a point and a bone of contention for a lot of soccer fans cuz it's like Landon Donovan is one of the best American players of all time. Right. You know. And so to not put him on that squad even though he was in the twilight of his career, you know, come on. He's even if you don't play him a lot, you at least got to put him on the squad. And we did awful. I mean, under Jurgen Klingsman, our team was, I mean, it was, it was pretty abysmal, you know, it was, yeah. I mean, it was 60, he had a 60% win percentage in competition and 53% in, in friendlies. I mean, he was the coach for five years from 2011 to 2016, but you know, just his style and he was just staunch. And I mean, yeah, we definitely needed a change. And so to, to bring in Bruce Arenas, who was a previous coach for the U.S. men's soccer team in the past, you know, to bring him in and to give another breath of fresh air, I think it was a much-needed change. So, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the coaching changes in any sport are, are, are huge. Um, I mean, it kind of reminds me of, like, Doc Rivers. People will say he's a great coach. I mean, he has this energy behind him. He talks a big game. 
and uh, he just never seems to win. He's got one one title with Celtics, right? We're talking NBA. It kind of reminds me of, of Klinsman. I remember him coming in, and people were pretty sold on him, and he had a lot of energy, and I actually watched a documentary on him pulling the players, you know, like how the, the trainings went and all this uh, for the U.S. men's team, and it was it was cool. He had a lot of energy, but it just seemed like he, he couldn't get past that step, so a good coaching change. It seems like, like you said, I mean, new coach is doing pretty well so far. I mean, he's young into this rain with him right now but uh right. seems like he's doing all right he, he's doing good and i mean if another thing is that if the players don't buy in you know bruce arenas has a great track record and, and not to say that jurgen kling jurgen klingsman did not because he kind of did too but bruce arenas is established in the american you know soccer yeah. fabric like he's he's an american you know and he's been part of u.s soccer in one way or another for you know Gosh, I'd say upwards of 20 years, you know, at least in coaching. And so, you know, to bring him in and to to kind of rejuvenate the program, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of bringing a bringing a coach in from from yesteryear at an old college alma mater. Right. You know? I mean, and look what I, I guess you could use a local example like Brian Harson. Right. You know, I mean, he went and coached at Arkansas State for a few years and then he came back after Coach Pete left. Right. You know, and. It's it's always good when you get somebody in the alma mater, and I think right. in regards to U.S. soccer, you know the players bought in more. I mean, look at to go back to basketball. Look at look at David Blatt in Cleveland. Oh I yeah, I mean he he completely lost the the locker room, and, and LeBron is just like I want him out. Exactly. I don't, I don't know why LeBron turned into a Russian. Now, <laughs> I mean, it sounds he's just fine. Like, he's just like out. You're done. See ya. Maybe that's how he's gotten his way with everything. You know, he just turns into a Russian he every just, single time he goes to the front <laughs> office. He just turns into Ivan Drago. Yeah, I like just, it. If he dies, he dies. You know, <laughs> it's just like, no. But, I mean, it's the same thing. Like, Blatt lost the locker room, or he at least lost LeBron, and LeBron turned the locker room against him. Right. And then he brought in Tyron Lue. And, and, and what did Tyron Lue? I mean, he was a former player. Mm-hmm. You know, he had that street cred, if you will. Yes. You know, so he had, yeah. So it, it's kind of the same thing. You know, Bruce Arenas comes in and he's rejuvenating the program and kind of, you know, cobbling and piecing together. So I say cobbling, but cobbling has got a, like a negative connotation. But he's he's piecing together a good squad going into the 2018 World Cup. So speaking of the 2018 World Cup. So this is regardless if you're a soccer fan or not, everybody should be able to admit this. If you're a sports fan of any kind. Everybody watches the World Cup. They always pay attention to it. Uh, and my friends will even say that, like, they hate soccer, but it happens so rare, you know. It's so, so like, four years, every four years, right? Every so often, but they'll put on the, the shows, they'll watch them, they'll watch every game because they know it's only going to happen every four years. And so this is the biggest, most watched event in the entire world. And uh, I want to know, if we, we got the new coach, we got an upcoming player that's, you know, looking promising, What's the chance that USA has in the World Cup coming up in 18? I think maybe they'll make it to the round of 16 this year. Okay. You know, I I don't see them getting beyond beyond that, unfortunately. I mean, they're just – they've got a younger team. You know, they still got older players like Clint Dempsey and, and Tim Howard, you know. But, you know, they've got such a young squad. And with Bruce Arenas, I mean, we'll see. I could be pleasantly surprised and we can get to the round of eight maybe. Okay. But I'm going to guess – at the at the most round of sixteen, you know that's that's the that's kind of the high end of where I would bet them at. But I'd say probably the round of thirty two, okay. Because you know, like I said, it's just a young team, and you you got to congeal, and you know you're going up against teams like Brazil 
and Germany, yeah. even Great Britain. Wales can even have a puncher's chance. Um, you know, teams like – I mean, you've got these teams where soccer is just inbred into their culture. And, you know, even like Iceland's run four years ago. You remember? Do you remember that? I don't. Iceland, yeah. Iceland was pushing ahead. I think they made the quarterfinals. Okay. So, yeah, Iceland kind of went on a run there too. I mean, you've always got your Cinderella stories. Right. So – that even happens in the World Cup. So if the United States pleasantly surprises me and they get beyond that, I mean, they're establishing a good foundation. Like okay. I said, I think getting rid of Klingsman was a, a necessary step and, and going back to Bruce Arenas was important. So so we'll see. I mean, that'll be that'll be next summer and we'll see how much improvement and how much you know, winning the gold cup what didn't hurt, you know. Winning right. winning the gold cup was definitely a good feather in their hat. So so we'll definitely see, you know, going through these qualifying matches and everything. The U.S. usually qualifies for the World Cup, and if and if they didn't, that would be a huge disappointment. It'd just be such a bitter disappointment, I think, for the squad. That'd be awful. Yeah, agreed. Man, okay. So to finish up real quick, um, speaking of soccer and U.S. soccer here in Boise, when this airs, which will be Friday, we're actually speaking on a Tuesday. I'm not afraid to say that. Yeah, we're speaking on a Tuesday. It's going to be airing on Friday. We've got the U.S. and Brazilian U.S. Arena Soccer League teams coming in. I'm actually really excited for this. I, I got tickets. Um, I'm going to go see it. One, I lived in Brazil for two years, so I kind of have a little tie there. But um, I do want to see it. It's just it's not the same thing as obviously like, you know, you know, field soccer, like the real game. But uh, it's arena, and it's probably actually pretty exciting. I was watching some YouTube videos on it, and I was like, all right. It's kind of like futsal, but it's a, a little bit different. You know, like arena league soccer is a little bit different but than futsal. But I love futsal, so – I think it's a little bit more comparable. I'm jacked to see it. I'm, I'm curious to see the support that we get from the local community. I want to see if we sell that stadium out. Um, I I know that there's a lot of people going. A lot of the people I follow on Facebook and Twitter are going. But then again, that's not the entire city of Boise. So I don't know. Well, I, I know you're not going to go to it, but are, are you excited about it? Or have you heard anything about this game? Yeah, unfortunately, I've got plans that night. So I won't be able to go. But I'll just leave you with this. So kind of going back to my article about soccer and having a potential soccer team in Boise. So there was two major events that occurred in consecutive years. So you had Tijuana versus Atletico Bilbao. You had a Mexican team versus the basically the Basque team that plays, you know, in, in, in that region between Spain and France. And they had an exhibition here at Albertson Stadium, you know, where the Boise State Broncos play football. They covered the blue with sod. So that was interesting to have a huge soccer field. Right. At Albertson Stadium, and that was in July of 2015. They drew almost 22,000 fans. So 21,948 people showed up for a soccer friendly in Boise, Idaho. There is support there, and there's a huge bass culture here too, and they they love that. Yeah. They love the sport. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a huge bass culture here. There's a lot of you know people coming in from from Mexico. Like we have a big Hispanic population here as well. Right. And I think that's also why the next year there was an actual USL matchup between the Portland Timbers 2, which is the right. obviously the minor league team for the Portland Timbers, and the Swope Park Rangers, who's the minor league team of Sporting Kansas City. Now, that was at Rocky Mount, Mountain. That was at Rocky, Ro- Mountain. Rocky Mountain. I almost said Mountain View, but it's Rocky Mountain High School. That was right. at their football stadium, and they packed that stadium with over 4,300 fans, so 4,352 fans 
and there was people waiting outside that wanted to get in but couldn't because they sold all the tickets. Let me tell you about that game. My friend's dad lives right behind Rocky Mountain High School. Okay. So, like, they live in the subdivision right behind it. And that was the most packed I've ever seen a high school stadium in Idaho, at least, because, we, I mean, they're smaller. But, like, it was packed, and it was loud. Like, he lives right behind it. We could hear everything going on, everyone screaming. The, obviously, the announcers, they had all the sound equipment, like a little bit better than what a normal high school game would be. They, they hyped it up a little bit. Sure. That place was rocking. So we got support here in the local community. That that high school was so loud across the whole city of Meridian. Like, it was it was amazing. So, I mean, we've got the support we need. Just like you said, I mean, it was packed. So. Yeah, I mean, if we're kicking around the idea of getting a USL squad ourselves, I don't see why CenturyLink Arena won't at least have a good I mean unless they just didn't advertise well at all you know because that's right that's happened with events in the past you know so but I think if the advertising is good I mean there's a big soccer community here I think this is with just I would hope it would be another feather in the cap for for Boise and for the Treasure Valley to say hey we need a minor league soccer soccer squad here why not so so if you're listening to this and it's Friday morning and you haven't gotten tickets yet and there still happens to be some out there Go buy them. They're not that expensive. Like fifteen bucks. Just go buy some tickets. Twenty five for like the the good seats. But every seat in CenturyLink Arena is really good. So, anyways, go check it out. All right, CC. We're gonna sound off here. But uh, do you have anything else that you'd like to say before we head out? I think we've covered pretty much everything that that we needed to. I'm looking forward to you know coming back on here and, and talking football. And, yep. And talking you know just talking sports with you in general is always a a blessing and a good thing for for me and. And it's just it's good to talk with somebody who's who's as passionate as I am, if not more. So again, oh, for sure. again, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for for having me here. Thank you for the 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 chance to to write articles for you and everything. And and I am deeply appreciative. Thank you, Shane. Well, I appreciate you, man. And for the listeners, check out his articles. CC is going to be coming out with some good ones here in the near future, and he'll for sure be back on the show here in a couple of weeks. We'll be talking football because, like you guys know, football starting in about three four weeks. Keep uh. Keep looking out for that because uh, we, we can get really passionate talking about our football teams too. So, anyways, this is the Game Time Guru. We'll talk to you guys next week.